0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the cx Goalkeeper keeper podcast your host greg will have smart discussions with friends experts and thought leaders on customer experience transformation and leadership please follow this podcast on your preferred platform i am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest i selected for you ladies and gentlemen Tonight, it's really a big, big pleasure because I have Jenny Lewis together with me. Hi, Jenny. How are you?
1: Hi, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: I am super thrilled because I started a collaboration with Women in CX, and you are the first from Women in CX joining this podcast after Claire, for sure, and discussing uh, on this podcast. And I'm really super thrilled to get uh, new ideas also in this podcast from, from you and from this great community. But before we start, I would like to introduce yourself. And the easiest way is to ask you, could you please introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Jenny Lewis, I uh, lead customer insights at Airship. So I'm focused on quantitative research in our our base to figure out how uh, brands are performing for their, their mobile apps and really what is the economic impact of their mobile app on the business.
0: Thank you very much. Going through your LinkedIn profile, there are quite a a lot of interesting aspects from your life. You're a mom, you're doing a lot of uh, other things. Uh, Which values drive you in life?
1: There there are a few. I'm um, a part of Rotary International. I've been a member for a lot of years at this point and have been really active in the organization. I actually... um, I went to grad school on a scholarship from them, and then joined as a member to try to to give back. So, you know, community service is a huge uh, driver within my entire life, and and also uh, especially family. Now I have a, a 16 month old, and uh, you know it's been it's been an amazing uh, you know few months here to try to to learn what that new life looks like and. Uh, like, you know learning about
0: mom life. <laughs> so and from my side, congratulations. I know there are already 16 months, but I think this is a great, let's say, achievement. And I really <laughs> yeah. I really like I have also a small son and therefore I can understand how much time you need and you want also to invest for for your family and therefore uh, even more, thank you very much for taking mm-hmm. time and stopping by on the CX goalkeeper podcast.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Congrats to you too.
0: Thank you very much. Um, looking at uh, your LinkedIn profile, you wrote something, and therefore I need to ask that before we deep dive in in the main topic of this discussion. You uh, are writing, ask me about Desagio, and therefore I am asking that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Disagio is my absolute favorite design thinking term, and what it means is really that you're approaching a, a topic with curiosity. Uh, you, it's it's the thing about a topic that makes you think like, oh, something's not quite right. And as you're approaching any sort of design or you know exploring how you might build a new product or a new experience. Yeah, approaching approaching with that curiosity around areas that are, you know, cause a cause a little like like oh this is something something here is like a little off, and so if that's that's the way that I like to approach uh, design.
0: Thank you very much for sharing that. I don't know yeah. in English because English is not my mother tongue, but disagio and my mother tongue is Italian means exactly feeling uncomfortable, and therefore it's yeah. perfectly linked with what you uh, what you were sharing. Yeah. And I I really like also the, these terms because we always need to uh, being uh, able to being uncomfortable and working in in such mm-hmm. an, an environment. Thank you for, yeah. for for this great introduction. And now we go to the main topic, the first half of this discussion, uh, mobile app lifecycle measurement. And this is, I think, quite a complex topic. It's already mobile apps are already complex. And now we are going to discuss about life lifecycle measurement. Could you please explain the importance of mobile app lifecycle measurement in business? And also perhaps what is exactly this is
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think mobile app growth has been enormous in the last several years. I'd say say especially the last five years. And it's really becoming more of a destination for brands, the way that a store or the e-commerce site are a destination for brands, right? It's, it, it's leveled up, I would say, in, in the last few years and brands are showing that level of investment within the space. So just like any customer experience, there is a life cycle in how the end customer will interact with the app as it relates to their interaction with the brand. And at Airship, we've developed a mobile app lifecycle that, that really follows the customer through acquisition, which would be you know everything from brand awareness and you know, looking at the app store optimization through to becoming a loyal customer and really more of an advocate. Um, so we we look at our products as compared to, to those steps of the lifecycle, and then my role is looking at measurement within it. Um, so the stages are acquisition, activation, engagement, and loyalty.
0: And ah, this this is really interesting. And Mm -hmm. you said uh, your role is measurement. How are you Mm -hmm. measuring that for each uh, phase is a different measurement or how how are you coping with this topic?
1: Yeah. So I've developed um, a way specifically within the activation and engagement phases to look at both. Um, end customer user engagement within the app. What are the steps that somebody is doing in the app? Um, Specific actions that we're able to to see in the data to monitor. And then how do those actions impact the economics? Um, So as an example, um, one of the the things that I look look at really frequently for, for brands is from the date of install. So you go to the app store, you install the app, that's day zero from day days, one through 30, how often do you come back to the app? And that is a huge predictor about the efficacy of a brand's onboarding campaign and whether or not they're educating the customer on the value of, of what's available in the app. If they're effectively communicating, uh, to remind customers to come back each each category, each vertical, has a different pattern in what that looks like. It's, um, it, you know, you're if you're looking at a finance app, which we, we work with a ton of finance brands, they are great at building a habit of customers of starting to come back every day. You know, think about your banking app; you're going to check your balances and come back very frequently. Shopping apps, it's it's a little bit different. You know, I'm I'm not necessarily going to go into a retail app every day. But the ones that do it well, you see these—you um, see the the spikes in customer engagement, where you can tell that it's it's connected to their onboarding experience, and it's driving people back to the app. And you know, from an economic perspective that actually connects to a few things, um, you know, during the activation phase of, of the life cycle, there are, um, there are a couple key things that we want to look for. One is getting users identified. So um, the brand knows who I am. And especially if, um, you know, let, let's say like, um, I think Ulta is a great example of this because they do it so well. I shop in store in the app and on occasionally on the web, but they know who I am throughout each of those points of interaction. So, how are you identifying the customers, and you know, making sure they you know who they are? And secondly, is the opt-in. Um, so, those two really are, are the primary driver at that stage in the life cycle, and it's important because one, there's a pretty large cost of acquisition. Um, in the U.S., it's a little bit over $5 a user to acquire, which is huge investment for brands. Um, Europe, it's actually closer to a, a single U.S. dollar. Um, I think that it's, luckily for, the, for European brands, it's, it's not quite as costly. But the other important piece is that in my research, I found opted-in customers are actually creating more value long-term within the app. Um, so it's it's a pretty large lift of uh, what opted-in users are are doing from a value perspective.
0: Thank you for your comparison between Europe and the U.S., but I think yeah. if you're saying that in the U.S. is $5 and in Europe in one, it's $1, we know where we are going to and therefore we need to prepare and we have sometimes, and therefore the audience from the Europe, please listen to this episode because you know what will happen in future. The cost will uh, will be five times what, what um, you are paying now and therefore extremely mm-hmm. important. And um, I, I don't have so precise numbers, but at least my feeling and the feeling of my colleagues in Switzerland or in Europe, mm-hmm. we have, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 apps on our mobile phone. Mm-hmm. how can companies create the awareness that there is the specific app on the mobile phone of this of this brand
1: oh to create so I mean it's there's so many layers to it in, in creating that awareness and even to get to the download you know, if you have a physical location in store signage um, making sure that I, I'm seeing a lot of QR code usage now um, so you know, scan to scan to download, take you directly to the app store. Um, yeah, that's a primary method. Um, I've seen retail brands actually ask their store associates to promote the app. Um, I, one brand I, I know even had a contest among their retail associates to try to see who could get the who could get the most um, downloads. Uh, promoting it in your other channels, email and SMS, which we, we also do at Airship in addition to the app work, is a way to drive people into the app. You know, you, if you are getting that identification of the user, then you know they might be on your email list, but they're, they don't have the app downloaded yet. So, you know, any sort of it, uh, placement within email and SMS to sort of drive that acquisition Um, For example, if you're an airline and somebody has booked a ticket and you know that they don't have the mobile app, or even if maybe you're not sure, put a note in the email about the ticket booking, the app is available.
0: It, it's, it's really interesting because you are touching a lot of different uh, industries uh, and in the different levels of the customer journey at the beginning, during or mm-hmm. after the customer journey. Perhaps to make it also tangible for, for the audience, do you have some example that you can share without naming brands, if mm-hmm. if not required, uh, with really best practices that we can learn from mm-hmm. where brands were able to improve customer experience and then at the end also mm-hmm. to improve to improve revenues?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that there, you know, again, Ulta is one of my, my personal favorite brands and for listeners outside the U S it's a, it's a beauty brand store that sort of, it combines, um, high-end makeup as well as sort of what I call like a pharmacy or drugstore brand. So you get your, you know, your Neutrogena and, and Johnson and Johnson, but you can also buy benefit cosmetics and, um, you know, some more high-end stuff. And they have a combination of uh, physical stores, e-commerce, and also mobile app. And they also have a really strong loyalty program. I, I can't remember offhand the number of members they have, but it's in the the multi millions is very popular, and what's interesting is that they're um, first off, if you're a loyalty member, they they're using that as a way to identify you across channels. And it's um, if you start in store and then you go to the mobile app, they aren't relearning who you are. They're saying, "I know you, I recognize you." Right? That my my past purchase information from store visits when i first downloaded the mobile app years ago was you know they they knew who i was already they use that information to make recommendations to me and they use it to drive how, uh, how they're personalizing and, and really segmenting the content that, that I get. And it, to me, that's really a, a best in class example. Um, you know, from our, from our Earship customer base, I, I also see uh, brands who are doing a lot of really interesting work around um, the onboarding journey. I mentioned those spikes you know, I, there's one brand that we work with that they actually made the determination to extend that onboarding journey throughout the first 30 days. So rather than, you know, stop at maybe a week or 10 days, they've extended it all the way through. And what they're seeing is a result that at, at the end of the 30 days, more folks are, are coming back into the app than, than were before.
0: That's yeah really extremely interesting, and uh, a lot of companies perhaps are not yet there having a, an app and working pretty well mm-hmm. however it's it also these needs to be measured, and we know from mm-hmm. from the, every customer experience framework that okay. measurement is extremely important which mm-hmm. which challenges do organization often face when they are implementing this type mm-hmm. of solution not the app itself but also really the measurement around the app.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's been interesting to see in the industry. It, I would say a few years ago, the teams getting created at brands around mobile app were maybe like, oh, let's grab somebody from the email team or somebody from the SMS team and, and assign them to work on mobile app. What I'm seeing now are larger investments where. Teams are teams centered around the mobile app are, are being created. And this is at the brands were who are making a, a large investment into the space. When that happens, you start to see the subject matter expertise within the teams. And there's there's more of a focus outside of um it, there's there's the product development and the strategy around that. And then there's also the marketing strategy around how do we incorporate it into the into the brand. So seeing those two things align. I think is is an important indicator of of where we're going. Um, from a measurement perspective, um, we're in what I think of as kind of the early stages of of measurement on mobile. i um I like to joke that I grew up in email from a technology perspective. my first my first tech job was was an email. And I remember, very clearly having conversations, you know, 10, 15 years ago with email customers about, well, how do we attribute a hotel booking or a purchase to this email? And that attribution in email, it took, you know, took some time to develop. In mobile, we now have that um we we now have that capability to to do that attribution. And you know what I'm seeing in the data and in, in the research is that you know, folks who are using the mobile app are providing incremental value to the brand. They're they're purchasing at a high rate, um, and then if you look at opted in customers within the mobile app, that's incremental over um, over other users.
0: That's uh, that's really, really really interesting. And uh, le- let's uh, uh, make an example and think the first measurement. From from the app lifecycle are there? How can people use them and work together, other departments, in order to improve acquisition, to to improve retention and so on? Do you have some example that you can share?
1: Yeah, I think that's where, that's where to me, customer experience is such a, it's such a cross department collaboration, right? (laughs) Because you, you want to have, you want to have everybody focusing on that same, the same goal together, right? Which is to create, to create something great for the customer. Um, I mean, the early indicators in the life cycle during the acquisition phase are things like the um, app store product page views. And then the conversion from that to download. So of all the people who look at the product page, how many people are, are converting to download? Um, so that's one of the indicators within activation. Uh, from a collaboration perspective, I think that's where the cross-department work has to happen uh, because your, your app store optimization, which is hugely important, making sure there's there's an entire strategy around how often you make an update to the app store page and you know, what content to include that strategy would be within the mobile team, but getting people into the app store, that has to be, that has to be a partnership with, um, with other teams. So, you know, physical store uh, like the, the retailer I mentioned with the associates, they had the, they had a QR code on their name tag, and, you know, uh, shoppers could scan it and then that would take them to the app store. Uh, so that's an example that I, I love from, um, from the acquisition phase.
0: Thank you very much. And now, perhaps, let's move to the second half of this discussion of of this game. Um, as you said, you started your career in uh, in the email, and then you moved now in on, on this role. And perhaps we would like also to learn from you something about leadership. And the first thing that I often ask is, could you please share one of your biggest failure that you had, and then what will you learned from it?
1: I definitely say that I have, I've learned a lot through the years and I'm, I, I, I hope, and I I think that I'm a very different leader than I was 15 years ago. Um, probably my biggest failure is the first time that I, I became a manager and I, I didn't know at the time. And I, I don't think it, I just don't think I had the priority to, to continue to be, um, to be like a human with, with my team. Um, I think I I was so focused on doing what was doing, what was right. And, you know, achieving the new goals that I had set, and I think very nervous about being good at the new thing and, and somehow the, um, the, the human element of it got lost. And, um, Definitely, I've learned from different leaders along the way uh, that different leadership that I've had uh, over the years about how to do that differently. And also, you know, through taking classes and like self education, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown and and her um, her kind of mantra about vulnerability. I, and I, I like to apply that now and try to be very different than I than I was that first time.
0: Be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think this mm-hmm. is one of uh, Brené Brown mantras. I, I think um, she her um, TED talk is incredible. I watched it several times and therefore, I think mm-hmm. we can learn a lot from there. From my point of view and from my research in leadership, one important or one ingredient that it's important is re- resilience. What's your definition of resilience?
1: Oh, that's a a good question. Um, So resilience, I think there's two parts of it to me. Um, The first part would be uh, accepting that failure happens. So, you know, knowing that, um, knowing that failure can happen sometimes and accepting it as kind of part of the, um, part of the job, um, the the uh, the second part is keeping going when that happens so taking the opportunity to learn from it and then keeping keeping going
0: it's it's super interesting this was the ingredient the ingredient i suggested what's your secret in, ingredient in leadership
1: um so my secret ingredient is um really learning from your team what what their superpower is and then building a team that has different superpowers and making sure that there's that there's a diversity in skill set. You know, somebody may love getting up and talking to people. Somebody might love spreadsheets. Uh, you know, everybody is going to have a different, different sort of skill set. And the more of those superpowers you can combine within a team, the, uh, the absolute, like you can you can make a real rock star team and and helping each other kind of helping each other learn from your your superpower, right? So then you then you get a lot of collaboration because you say, oh well, you know, person A, she loves to go speak, but person B, she might say, Oh, you know, I'm I can help you connect those two data sets that you didn't know were possible to connect. And that's easy for me. Let me help you. And then you're solving problems together. Um, which is easy.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, perhaps also, it can be one or more, what are the key um, leadership lessons that you learned throughout your career?
1: Uh, so... Um, o-
0: always easy questions, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, the, so I think, um, you know, one thing is, you know, transparency with with your team members. So, you know, not as a, as a leader, you can't always share everything, right? There, there's some information that, you know, you may be in a position that you can't share, but as much as it's possible, creating the, the uh, transparency of information to make sure that your team knows why you're asking for things. They know what the outside influences are. Maybe it's from another department. Maybe it's a senior leadership priority that, they weren't in the meeting where the head of customer success announced that so relaying that back to them and um you know making sure you can sh- making as much as possible of that because my experience has been the more context your team members have in why something needs to be done the better
0: thank you very much we are coming to an end of this game but we still have few minutes in the extra time and i still have three questions for you Yes. Uh, the first question is about the future in 10 years from now, we are back on the CX goalkeeper podcast. What we're discussing about.
1: Oh, hopefully I've got a lot more research and I will have more numbers to share with you. I um, I'm super passionate about the, the research that I'm doing with brands. And I um, I would love to see that as um, a lot more, a lot more developed 10 years from now and a lot more stories to tell.
0: And we see and we feel your passion for this topic. And I think um, the audience perhaps want also to contact you. What's the best way to contact you?
1: Probably the easiest is LinkedIn. Um, just Jenny Lewis on LinkedIn. I, I'm there, so I check my messages there and always always check in. So that's the easiest way.
0: Thank you very much. And for the audience, you will find all the contact details in the show notes. And now we are coming to the last question: Is uh, Jenny's golden nugget? It's something that we discussed, or something new that you would like to leave to the audience?
1: I think golden nugget for me is is what I said about the team superpowers. I that's been the happiest I've been is is when I I had a team that at Airship actually that I was able to hire folks on, and they all have completely different superpowers. And we had a blast working together. It was it was a really, really fun time. So I highly recommend that.
0: Thank you very much. As usual, I'm not allowing myself to comment Jenny's golden nugget. She shared that with the audience. The only thing that I can say is thank you very much, Jenny, for your participation.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for partnering with Wix. I uh, have big shoes to fill following Claire. So I, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Uh, it's a great pleasure. And also thank you very much to Women CX and to Claire Mascot to ma- to making these exchanges possible. I really love to have this discussion to get to know new people and to bring also to the audience new points of, of view about customer experience, leadership, and, and transformation. Jenny, please stay with, with me. To the audience, it's everything. Thank you very much. We, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. We love feedback. Feel free to contact us, to contact Jenny or myself. And thank you very much. Have a nice day. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.